Hello, and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Carrie. And I'm Tanya. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of, a cup of coffee. This is episode 149. Today, we are talking about setting intentions for the new year, both at home and at school. And in our CODA section, we'll give some specific recommendations of our favorite things we are enjoying in and out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. And it's time for our main theme, all about intentions for the new year. Um, you might have noticed that we did not mention our other segments. We are officially back to school tomorrow. We just wanted a episode for the new year that talks about um, our intentions for the official new year. Although, you know, I always think of August is more of a new year. Exactly. But, you know, of course, it, the calendar turned over. We've got a new year going on. And we've been jokingly calling this the um, new year, same you edition, because we want to make sure we keep things realistic, positive, and uh, we understand the conundrum that goes along with New Year's resolutions. And um, yeah, and we have some different opinions about that. So Carrie, I know yeah. you've got some strong feelings. <laughs> surprise, surprise. As to you, Tanya. I, yes. You know, and I, I asked my husband this morning just for a little crowdsourcing, like, what do you think about New Year's resolutions? And he's like, oh, I hate it. So he and I, or you're very much in agreements of, and it's really the word. And he brought up the fact that like resolution feels final, you know, like think about resolving something like in the terms of like <laughs> musically, you know, having a, a resolving accord. Um, <clears throat> but he was saying that to him, it's like, and this is kind of my, my, my di difficulty with the word resolution it's like it's too firm it's too finite you know and i understand that's not how everyone thinks of it that's how i think of it um so to me resolutions tend to um invoke this idea of like rigidity like you have to do these things if you don't do these things you fail and you know there's all sorts of research about how many people make new year's resolutions and how very few of them actually feel like they succeed at them and then that brings up you know, feelings of inadequacy and failure. And, you know, I just, I don't know for everyone if it's the right way to go into a new year. So for me, I really prefer the word intentions over resolutions. And then, you know, thinking about what works for you and like your inner circle, like your family, your friends, the people that you're around, you know, what's going to do good for you. I think about kind of these pressures society puts on us like if you go to target or if you go to costco like what are the featured products that we're seeing right now in like the seasonal sections of the stores there are things about health and wellness there's things about home organization and this these are all great things but if you're doing these things and setting these resolutions just because target's telling you to you know explicitly or implicitly like you know, i just think we all need to really reevaluate why we set resolutions and how we set resolutions and then just find a system that works for you. Like if you're a list person, great. If you're a due date person, great. If you want to keep things more open-ended like I do, I, I think for me that works. But I don't know. What are your thoughts, Tanya? I have strong thoughts, of course. Um, I love a clean slate. I love a resolution. Um, and I mean, it's really up to you as an individual on how you think about a resolution. Cause I, I don't, 
I don't find the idea of a resolution as super rigid. I find it as an opportunity. I mean, it's an opportunity. It's a clean slate. Um, I love a list. I love, you know, it's a fresh start. I love this idea of, um, all right, I've got this plan. I want to see something in action. I want to like visualize what that looks like. What are the steps to get there? I like a plan and I feel so much more likely to follow through on something if I'm writing it down. And honestly, if I'm accountable to somebody else, um, that's a big deal. Um, And if I don't write things down, think things through, if I don't take the time to like really aim myself towards something, then it just does not happen because, you know, life happens and it's always a situation. Well, we could really talk about like being in the classroom, like my planning time every day at school is the first thing in the morning. And I really don't like it. I know a lot of people love first thing in the morning planning time. I hate it. Here's why I will spend that time no matter what, no matter how prepared I am for the rest of the classes um, or for the, for the day, I will spend that time tweaking and rehashing what's going to happen on that day. And I won't do any longer range planning. And I feel like it's just because, well, that's going to happen in the next 45 minutes, right? Second grade's coming in in 45 minutes, but whether or not I add more um, quality multicultural songs, that could happen at any time. And as I know, I'm a big Gretchen Rubin fan. If you don't listen to her podcast and you're into this, that she has a saying of what could happen anytime happens no time, Right. And I'm very much a victim of that. If I just have this pie in the sky thought of like, you know, I'm going to do this thing, but it doesn't have to happen right now. It could happen anytime. If I don't make a plan, if I don't like, you know, narrow in, well, when is it going to happen, Tanya? Oh, it's going to happen in this month. And when's the time in this month? I've got to do that because if I don't, I'm just going by a day to day, hour to hour, minute to minute life, right? Yeah, because life has demands, things that are going to happen today, this morning, that's more important than what's going to happen, you know, in five months, in five years. And so I really love writing things down and having a plan. And I understand that resolutions are a thing and that a lot of people drop by February. I think it depends on how you view a resolution Yeah, and you know, if you're going to be really stringent about it and like, okay, I'm going to work out for four times a week and that's going to happen. And then, you know, that can be um, a lot to put on yourself. If you're putting also other expectations, like I'm going to join a book group and I'm going to um, read more and I'm going to work out and I'm going to, you can pile on and really just make it not fun. And since we are the you know, you're, you're the boss of you. I want my things that I'm thinking about to be enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want them to be punitive and I don't want it to be a negative thing. And I don't want to feel like in March, Oh, I didn't do that thing. And now I feel bad about myself. I don't want to beat myself up. I beat myself up about so many things anyway. I don't need that as well. Yeah. So I like to look at it as like writing down an action plan and you know, make it a plan for things I want in my life that are like more enjoyable and teaching. 
I mean, I love to teach music. So that is overall an enjoyable thing. So I'm not going to be writing down like, I don't know, I'm going to be writing down things that I'm going to look forward to doing. And if I set up a first do this, then do this, then do this, and do this on February 10th, when you have that PD day, like if I do that, it's going to happen. It's more likely to happen. Then if I just say, oh, I have this idea of what I want to try with third grade. And, you know, it could happen anytime. Right. I want to make all of this just depends on different seasons of life and seasons of your career. So like when I think about my career now in year 23 of teaching, I'm not going to make a resolution this year to go get Kodai training, like, or do something drastic. Like I already kind of know what works in my head, but I might make a resolution to make sure I attend one or workshop this year because that's something that's different and will help me grow as an educator. Where younger in my career, I might have made bigger, bolder resolutions or intentions as far as like completing my master's, getting major training, you know, those kind of things, you know, and same at home. Like I kind of know we're kind of in this season of life where my kids are preteen, teenager, and we're kind of we know what's working for us as a family right now. We know what minor tweaks we want to make, but we're not like in this burn it all down and start over stage of life right now because we that's too much. That would be overwhelming to me. So it's like, you know, it also depends on your stage of life and and family and career and what's happening around you as far as, you know, for me, my intentions this year are very much like what do I want to keep doing and what do I want to tweak, not like major you know, not to say that I can't make change. We all can make change and better ourselves. But if I, I know at this point in my life, if I go too big, it's just not going to happen because I don't have time right now to make giant commitments to myself uh, of things that are going to be drastically different. So, you know, that's something to keep in mind too. Well, of course. Yeah. I mean, drastic changes that, that happens when you have a need and you have the time and all of that. And also all of this to say that New Year's is arbitrary. Like, yeah. If I were to wake up on, you know, February 10th and go, ooh, now's the time for this thing that I really want in life, I'm not going to wait a year. Right. You know, and as you said, as teachers, like this to me is not new year. It's like a reset and just kind of check in, check in with myself and, but not like major major things because anything that I would want to do major professionally, I would do it over the summer. So I'm not going to do it now. (laughs) I don't have time. Kids start tomorrow. So yeah, exactly. So anyways, it's kind of a a happy medium maybe between Tanya and I's views on (laughs) resolutions and intentions. We're each going to, we're going to do a list. We're going to each do four, four for 2024, not 24 for 2024, but four for 2024. Oh, I'm doing, I'm I'm doing that, but I know, but see, this is what I thought about. I was like, I know Tanya loves these 20 for 2020, 20. And I, that is not me. That is too much. That is too big. And I know even the things that you can put on those lists are small, but still writing that list seems daunting and not fun. So my, my happy medium with you, Tanya, is we do four for 2024. Are you cool with that? I am cool with that. Um, I have a little, I was looking for this quote, quote. So if you saw my face light up from the brightness of my iPhone. I'm, I apologize. Uh, Cause I was finding this quote that I, that I dig um, Tim Ferriss, who I have mixed feelings about, but he's a productivity guy. He's got a podcast and lots of books and, you know, and the atomic habits, he's not, he didn't write atomic habits, but he's in that whole realm of dudes who are productivity 
dudes, which I can get sucked in. I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. But okay. you know, some of it is just way far gone. Anyway, here's a quote from Tim Ferriss. Life punishes the vague wish and rewards the specific ask. Mm. And I feel like that's, I, I, I resonate with that big okay. time. <laughs> because I have a lot of vague wishes. I'll be in the shower because it's always in the shower. Oh, yeah. I'm like, wow, what a great idea I have. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change the world. I'm going to do this thing. Yeah, I'm going to change music education when I do X, Y, and Z. And then like 20 minutes later, you know, well, that's never happening. Yeah. Time I don't even coffee. remember what happened. Like, yeah. exactly. I'm making coffee. That's, that's the, yeah. Immediate need. Make the coffee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So two for home, two for school, though sometimes they kind of overlap. Um, and maybe we'll just like ping pong back and forth. We can so, go back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you want to talk about? Do you want about? a school wanna... first? Yeah, let's do school first, maybe. Let's do school first. Okay. You want me to go? Okay. You go. Okay. I mean, mine is this this is like a a keep. This is something that I set an intention of at the beginning of this school year, and I'm gonna keep doing it, which is to not stress and get myself tied up in knots but what i'm not going to get to this year curriculum wise and you know the reason for this if you've heard me talk about it is i'm seeing my students my second grade through fifth grade students i'm seeing them slightly less this year because we are a big school and due to many circumstances we had to or add a a fourth special i'm saying that in quotations um to our rotation so i see my kids a fourth of the time less and that was kind of out of my wheel of control. And rather than being extremely stressed about what I'm not gonna be able to do, what I'm doing is being really intentional about what I can do, really careful, intentional planning. And, you know, kind of related to that, I, I, the one positive thing of this, you talked about like short-term planning versus long-term planning earlier, because I'm not writing my daily plans as often because I will write a lesson plan and I will now get to teach it four times instead of three times, right? So that does give me time back in my planning that I can focus more on long-term planning. So because of that, I feel like I've not had to plan as much at home this year and I've gotten most of my planning done at school, which feels really good. So. This is not like an intention as far as like I'm changing anything. This is really more of a just keep on keeping on, especially in the second half of the year, because those feelings of, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to get to this such and such concept by the end of the year. I like I'm not going to get to law in first grade. There's just no way it's not going to happen. That's OK. I will be very intentional about my planning next year to make sure that happens quickly in second grade and move on and to not get myself tied up in knots about it. So that is an intention for school that also trickles to home, which I like it. Okay. Can I push you on this one? Yes. Please. Uh, so you talked about two things, not stress yes. and being intentional in the planning. Yes. You told you, you explained like the being intentional on the planning side. How are you tackling the not stress side? I just tell myself it's okay. Like I just remind, I mean, I know that sounds really cheesy, but when I start to have those feelings of like, oh my gosh, what if I don't get to such and such concept? I just, here's what I remind myself. I remind myself what it felt like in spring of 2020 and pretty much all of the 2020, 2021 school year and how we really had to let go of those expectations that if we don't get to certain concepts in a school year, we're failures as music educators. That's kind of how I would feel like I would put so much pressure on myself that 
if we get quote unquote behind, that's a problem. But if the pandemic taught us anything and taught us many things, um, as educators, it taught us that there is no such thing It's behind. It's just where you are now and where you want to keep going. So I just kind of just have to like talk myself off the ledge a little bit and remind myself that it's going to be okay. That in the grand scheme of things, what's most important is that my students are coming to music, we're singing, we're playing, we're dancing, we're enjoying musical time together. And that me stressing about what concepts we get to is not going to serve them and it's not going to serve me. So it's really just having that reminder to myself. I don't have any like specific action steps that I'm doing here other than. Well, just you do. You myself. just said you, you were going to self-talk. You yeah. that's an action step. Yeah, that's an action step. Sure. It's a yeah. little woo-woo of an action step for me, Tanya, but I can handle it. Yes. What? That's <laughs> woo-woo? Oh, man. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> so. There you go. That's my number one for school. You want to share one for school? Uh, yes. I would like to add to my song collection one multicultural song per grade level that I haven't done with kids before because, you know, there it's not like it's not there. There's not music out there. There are songs out there. I've been to sessions. I've, you know, I have volumes, books of these songs, I need to now like take the next step and use them in the music room because they need to become part of my vocabulary um, because I shy away. Cause like everybody, I don't want to mingle the language. I want to make sure I'm representing the culture correctly. I don't want to like, I, I want to make sure that I am not misstepping or any of that. So it probably will be a summertime project, um, but maybe in the spring. But I, I was doing some long range planning yesterday and wow, things are happening quickly. Like as I look at the rest of the year, I'm like, and then we're done. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I can't promise that it'll happen during this school year, um, during the rest of the school year. But I really would like to just really make one song per grade level like this is just this song is in Japanese and I'm comfortable with singing it I don't have to look at it I know exactly what kind of activity or extension or whatever we're doing with it this is perfect for second grade like I need to just get that going because um they need more culture they they need more cultures from places that they are not aware of and you know music we should be bringing in understanding of other peoples and cultures. So I need to do that. 100%. Yeah, I mean, that's an example of me setting, I set an unrealistic goal for myself at one point in time where I wanted to make sure I had something that was multicultural, meaning not of my students' culture at every in every concept. So like in a concept plan, if you think of a Kodai inspired concept plan, here's my Ta Titi repertoire. I want at least one song in there that's not in English and not of a culture that my students are super familiar with. And then that was too big of a goal and I didn't get there. So I like what you're saying about one per grade level. I know like we always want to do more with that, but I think it's hard for us as adults <laughs> to learn new song literature, to learn new languages and get at that in our ear. Um, so to be so go slow to go fast right to make sure that we're like right. being really intentional i really like that but i love that idea of putting it per con see you mentioned that and and part of my brain goes ooh, do that right one. right no, and maybe we'll stop. get there eventually but you have to you right. have to like let's 
let's just start with this baby step here. Yeah. Yeah, totally. All right. So my second one is also, I'm still kind of formulating the action plan behind it, but um, let me back up and say, so I am in our district. I am the mentor teacher for all new music teachers to our district. Tanya, you did this for many years. And we have these um, community of practice meetings every month. And in January, our topic is going to be setting kind of an a, a instructional goal for yourself based on your observation feedback that you got in the first semester from your administrator or your evaluator. So, you know, teaching them to look at their observation feedback, identify one area of growth that they want to kind of create an action plan around, and then try it the second half of the year. So in in modeling this, I looked at my own evaluation feedback. And one area that I decided I wanted to focus on is how I'm giving feedback to my students. I've gotten really good at doing lots of assessing. I do pretty much I have some sort of formative assessment in every single classroom where I'm just looking at where the kids are at with either a skill or a concept and then writing that down for myself and that helps me plan where to go next. What I'm not good at, and I think this is something a lot of us elementary music teachers struggle with, is how to give that feedback to the students as well because it's just always time. How do I give good solid feedback to the kids that is, you know, specific and not just oh good job oh thank you you know but like very specific so i'm still formulating what that looks like and what is realistic um you know what can i make use of as far as google classroom or seesaw so i can be typing or recording comments there in a way that's individual and the students can listen to it later um so i'm still formulating exactly what it's going to look like but that's just kind of an overarching goal i want to focus on the second half of the year is how to give better feedback to my students Awesome. And once I figure it all out, maybe we'll do a podcast about it, Tanya. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> See, I want to know how to no, do No, I can't that. promise a goal like that. That's the problem. <laughs> well, you know, well, no, no. I was going to say, if you really put in like some specific steps and you had a goal of by this date, we're going to do a podcast about it. Would you follow through over the long haul and be like, now I'm going to implement, I'm going to formulate it, implement it, see how it goes, reevaluate, then we do a podcast on it. Would I mean, that yeah, yes, I understand the the reason for doing that. I would say yes, if nothing else got in the way. And this is where I get frustrated is I, if that was my only thing that I was working on, and that was my focus, but the real, the realistic lens of this is that there's so much else going on that we have to balance between home and school. And so for me to promise that I can put that much time and attention into this one thing. So this one thing, while it's important to me, it can't be more important than making sure I get my kids to their rehearsals and making sure that I'm doing my good daily lesson plans. Like those things do still come first. So like, To me, it's finding that balance point. I don't want to just like create an intention and a goal that I can easily throw away. That's not what it is. But I want to make it realistic that it's still balanced within all the other daily stuff I have to do. I was just asking if that kind of accountability, I mean, if that is a motivator. Yes and no. Because my brain just immediately goes towards, well, what if I don't do it? (laughs) Then I'm going to feel awful about myself and then that doesn't help, you know? So. Okay. That's a very negative way of realistic, it, but this is, I'm just being real. No, no, I understand. Yeah, no, be realistic. That yeah. have to be realistic about it all. All right. So I'm still working on formulating exactly what that looks like, but what's your second one, Tanya, for school? Okay. My second one, 
um, is still in the vague stages. I want more student-directed classroom time. Um, and we've talked about this. And stations is a perfect example of, um, you know what? It's actually not because it's not student-directed per se. It's students doing more individual or small group things, but it is teacher directed. It is teachers saying, and at this station, you're going to do this. And at that station, you're going to do that. I need to get more comfortable with um, the teachable moment coming from the kids, you know, um, along these lines. Uh, I re recently joined AOSA again. And I think the ORF people do a much better job of, I mean, generally, just generally, uh, than us Kodai people of student-directed, feeling comfortable with student-directed, student-chosen paths. I mean, and that's a very, please understand, this is a very broad statement, not to say all Kodai, you know, hashtag not all Kodai, hashtag not all ORF um, people are this way or that way. Yeah. I just think that I could learn a lot um, from the the ORF methodology and philosophy about how to have more put on the students of where they're going to take something next. Yeah. So I would like yeah. to have more student-directed time. And and I, I'll take it back for the station. Stations is a great example of time where kids get more agency in general, but I still don't think it's like completely student directed unless you create stations where it's more open-ended. Right. Or they choose which stations they go to. And that's when. true. Yeah. 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 That's a big thing. If they choose which stations to go to, um, then yeah, but, but you're still giving them a menu. And, and I, I mean, and that's fine because it's still, see, I, I've got to find the balance because I know that, there's freedom in structure. You can't just say, hey, kids, here's a metallophone, go to town. Right. Like, I mean, beyond the 10 seconds when they first get there, yeah, that's different, right? You need to have some parameters. Yeah. So that, but, but more student choice, more student directed stuff. And um, I'm going to be perusing the AOSA video library. Um, and hopefully that will spark some ideas. And I'm just really interested to see that. And um, if you, listener, have fantastic ideas um, in the realm of student-directed stuff, I would love to hear it. So yeah. email us at musicteachercoffeetalk, uh, Gmail. Yeah. yeah. I've been thinking about this a lot, too, in the last couple of days because we had a big training um, staff-wide this last week on empowered classroom. And this is through the Franklin Covey uh, model of seven yeah, habits. Seven highly, habits. Because we're a, we're a leader in me school. So we get all of these trainings. Um, and I kind of went into this training like, oh, this is the last thing I want to be doing right now. I just really want to be in my classroom planning. I really need this time. But as any good training leaves you feeling inspired and more energized, um, this one was definitely good and it definitely sparked these thoughts exactly of how to have a more student-directed classroom. So I'm with you in that conversation, Tanya. So let's keep talking about that. Yes, let's. 
All right, so let's talk more about home. And again, oh my gosh, our stage of home, it may be very different than anyone who is listening. Um, Tanya and I both have older children. I have an 11-year-old and a 14-year-old. And so this first one, again, is something that it's more of a continued thing. Um, this last year, my husband and I kind of had this realization that our kids are old enough to stay home by themselves, cook their own food, put themselves to bed as needed. So um, we are being intentional in our marriage of embracing this new stage of life because we are not in this stage of life where if we wanted a night just to even go out for dinner, we'd have to pre-plan, hire a babysitter, all that kind of stuff. We're able to be way more spontaneous, which is really nice. So we are being intentional in our marriage of embracing that while it's here. And yes, while we're still very busy and we still have to balance our time with everything going on in our and our kids' lives, we can be way more spontaneous and just, hey, let's just go out for dinner, the two of us and the kids, we can order them a pizza or they can heat up their own frozen ramen bowls from Costco or whatever the case may be. So um, our intention as a, as a married couple is to embrace that stage and enjoy it while it's here. Awesome. And yeah. that's new for us. <laughs> well, I'll go with my family directed um, home intention is I want to plan more family time with the four of us. I have a um, 18 year old son and a 13 year old daughter. And I would like to plan more times that we are doing things together because if it's not planned, then everybody's in a separate room. Yeah. And while, you know, that's understandable and okay and, and acceptable, um, we do need some more family time. We do sit down as a family for meals. Uh, sometimes we watch a show together and that I think counts as family time. If oh, heck we yeah. Can. Yeah. We just finished a series as a family and that was really fun because we got to talk about it and, um, you know. I mean, that's huge. Cause I cannot get, I mean, the four of us to agree on the same thing to watch. So even having a show that the four of you are all interested in, that's got to work age wise and interest wise. That's huge. So bravo to you. Well, now I need a new one. Are you willing um, to share what show it was? Yeah, but people are going to think I'm dark and twisted. I don't care. Um, and it, this was a second watching for me. Severance on Apple Plus. Oh. Because um, Jude, my son Jude, had expressed interest in it. Um, I think he saw me watching it, you know, when it originally came out like two years ago. And they're working on a season two, but there was a writer's strike, you know, and all of that. Uh, yeah. But anyway, it's uh, it's kind of dark and intriguing and about office workers who um, have a special chip put into their brain so that when they're at work, they forget about they're outside of work life. And when they're outside of work, they know nothing about their at work life. And uh, which is like, it's just a fascinating premise and it's really done well. It is dark, sure. um, but you know, that's kind of our vibe uh, at my house is we're going to go for the, the, you know, dark comedy more so than the happy go lucky. We're, we're not Disney people. I'm just going to put it out there. I don't think right. it's a surprise, um, you know, we're unless it's Tim Burton Disney is Tim Burton Disney anyway uh yeah we're we're a little we're a little more dark so yeah now I need a new show I really wanted to try to get everyone to watch Ted Lasso but I think my, my kids are thinking it's too sunny which is funny but whatever <laughs> that's funny 
We'll try again. Uh, yeah, so I need a new series. But yeah, more intentional family time. We do love to play board games. Um, I want to play more cards with my kids, but they're not exactly into that. Uh, just baby steps. We had a monumental thing happened. What, what night was it? Two nights ago. My husband and I are big into Euchre, the card game Euchre, because we're from the Midwest and it's so I've played it with you. I know. And we've tried to teach many couple friends and you guys were okay with it. Another couple friend of ours, they hated it because it's like, it's hard to keep track of what's what. Anyways, my husband's like, we're going to teach the kids Euchre. I'm like, I don't know if they're ready for it. We had so much fun playing Euchre because it's a four person card game. So it worked out perfectly. And uh, my kids really enjoyed it. So I see lots of Euchre in our future. Oh, well, we'll come over and play Euchre anytime. Yeah. We're embracing our Midwestern side, which is fun. You know, I, we did a lot of uh, hearts over the break, which is like Euchre. Very exactly. Yeah. Our kids yeah. love hearts. So we figured this was the next step, just a twist. So exactly. Fun. Okay. All right. What's your other home? So my last one, I mean, this is one that would be on my list every single year. Um, I am maybe, this is the one thing that I might like actually make like an action step for. And it's reading. I, when I sit and I read, I have a lovely reading chair in my room given to me from you, Tanya, uh, passed down to me. It is so comfy and is so cozy and our master bedroom is really lovely. I've really tried to make that be like a, when it's, you know, there's not dirty clothes all over the floor. When it's picked up, it's a really beautiful space. I love our master bedroom. I love my reading chair. And so once I finally have time and prioritize sitting and reading, I love it. I love to read. It's the getting myself into the chair and it's so I'm thinking I, I might be that person that like schedules reading time on my calendar because it's like Why if not? I don't I know but for me that's big if I don't do it it doesn't happen because I'll get distracted by scrolling on my phone or oh hey what are the kids doing let's play a game together which is lovely too but I want to prioritize my reading time as being something that's more sacred I also need to get better about doing that at night instead of being on my phone at night. So I'm going to move my phone charger away from my bed because if I plug in my phone for the night away from my bed and put a book on my nightstand instead, that's a good step, right? Um, I did that last year this time and I had a few good months of reading instead of scrolling and then I caved and moved my phone charger and then it all went to hell after that. So I want to get better about that. So I'm setting that intention and that is one that I'll maybe have a more, I'm not going to promise how many books I'm going to read. I'm not going to be that person. I know that works for some people. It's not going to work for me because I'm also just a slow reader. So I don't want to get down on myself about that. Um, But yeah, that's that. I also don't want to put myself in a position of I'm going to finish a book that I don't like where I feel like if I had... You know, so to me, it's about the time reading, not about how many books I'm going to read. That's yeah. that's where I'm at. I am a big DNFer, and I'm thrilled with that. It, like, do not finish her. I if I read a book, if I start reading a book, and I get into it, and I notice that I don't want to read because I'm not enjoying the book, it's it's gone because life's too short. There's a lot of good books out there that are great reads for me. Yeah, that I I need to find them. I'm actually very I'm on a struggle bus with reading right now because I keep not finding good, like this whole past year, I read 34 books and that not a single four star read or five star read. Like they were all three star and below. Um, 
I don't know, maybe I just not need to not be so picky. I don't know how to do that, but I, I am struggling having, finding books that I really like. And um, yeah, I have no problem with starting a book. If it's not working, if it stops my reading, if I notice that oh, it's been three days and I haven't like made myself read because it feels like drudgery, like I don't want to do it, then I just can't read that book. Yeah. And there's I, no problem with that. I'm really bad at that because I, I need, I feel like I have to finish it. I mean, part of it's curiosity, like, will I get better? <laughs> like that's part of it. And then well, yeah. the other part of it is like, yeah, it feels weird to not finish something. So I need to get okay with that in my brain. I hear what you're saying and I am okay with that, but I just need to get better about that. So. Well, if you spend eight to 12 to 13, whatever hours reading one book and it's not something you're, you know, that you enjoy, that's hours you're never getting back. I know you spent on that book yeah. and it makes me more angry when I get to the end, especially there's been a couple of reads where I'll, I'll read the whole thing and I'm, and it's, it's engaging and engaging. And then the last third is just like, bleh. Yeah. Um, I, I get angry, like with myself, with the book, <laughs> with the author. I just, oh, I can't, I can't with You're that. Amazed. Yeah. All right. What's your last home one, Tanya? Okay. Well, this is one of those that you don't like because it's like a daily thing. Um, I used to meditate every day in the morning. I had a routine. It was great. I'd get up and brush my teeth and sit down, had a little stool, you know, um, and I would meditate for like five to 10 minutes, sometimes 15. And I have just really gotten away from it partially because of the phone issue, because my alarm is my phone. So the alarm goes off and then I get the phone and go, Oh, Hey, what happened overnight? You know, that right. kind of thing. And then I'm pulled in it's bad news. And that needs to not be the way that I get up. Um, I don't know. I need to, I was thinking of, of, uh, exploring other, alarms. I get up before my husband, so I don't want to do anything super loud. That'll get him up. And I want to be able to switch it off right away because <clears throat> he deserves to sleep a little bit more too. Right. Anyway, I need to get up and I need to just go into another room. And now I have this, I have this room. I have this study. Um, I just need to come in here and just do my 10 minutes of meditation and then on with the day. Like it just yeah. needs to be a non-negotiable uh, because it just, I can't explain exactly what, I mean, I, we have a whole episode where we talk about mindfulness and all of this. Um, but as far as personal meditation, it just lifts away some unnecessary fettering for me. Right. And I just, I feel I'm able to remember to be in the moment throughout my entire day when I'm meditating daily, because I don't let my emotions control me. I don't spiral into catastrophizing everything. Um, over this break, while I had a great break, I had, and I counted five nights with stress-filled school dreams. Mm. And that is a bummer when it's like December 23rd. And my dream last night is me being in the classroom and everybody yelling and throwing things and me having no control and turning off lights and nothing is working. Like that's, that's no way to sleep. That's not rejuvenating. You know, yeah. I don't like it. And I, I need to, I need to see about that. And I know part of it is I need to take time practicing 
being in the moment. And so I, I'm not saying that that means that this is a magic pill and then my dreams, my bad stress dreams will go away. But in the past, it's done nothing but help me, even in the most incremental ways. So um, I need to get back to daily meditating, even if it's just, you know, three minutes counts, five minutes counts. It's fine. It's, I'm not trying to rack up numbers. I just want to take the time every day. Um, and remind me, was there a specific app or thing that you were using when it was going well for you that you would recommend for people? Or do you just kind of have a hodgepodge of things that you've put together on your own? Well, I'm a big fan of Headspace. I've generally mostly used Headspace. Um, the benefit of Headspace, I, don't, I think, you know what, I haven't looked into it, but because I have been part of Headspace for a very long time. But they gave um, uh, me as a teacher, they gave teachers free membership. Yeah, I used to otherwise. Lot, yeah, with my students yeah. and myself, I used it a lot during those years, but I've got yes. it for me too. I'm looking up. I at- also like 10% Happier, Dan Harris. Um, I enjoy his podcast quite a bit. And he's got some wonderful library of meditations too, but I have not like bought a membership because- I've already got Headspace going on, but he does have free meditations on the 10% Happier app. Um, Calm also offers free teacher, or they did at one time. So I've got a membership to Calm, um, C-A-L-M. So that's a good one. But it's interesting because I, a lot of times prefer the meditation, guided meditation where not much is said. And Headspace has those too. So Headspace has like courses, like if you want to work on anxiety, here's 30 meditations over 30 days to work on anxiety. But there's also options in there where it's just, we'll tell you when to start Mm -hmm. and we'll tell you when it's done. So I like those as well. Yeah. um, Headspace is still free for teachers. I just looked it up. Okay. And boy, all these things I'm mentioning, we are getting no commissions from any of this. No, no. But we're but. letting people know what's out there, which is exactly. A- <laughs> yeah. So now it's time for our coda section. We're still going to give you a coda because, of course, winter break, we got to enjoy things a little bit. How was your winter break, Tanya? Was it good? Was it relaxing a little bit? Uh, yeah, there was a lot of travel. There was um, a lot of eating. Um, there's a lot of family time. And I wouldn't say it was as relaxing as it needed to be. Um, hence my stress dreams that I'm really upset about uh, that I need to get past. But yeah. generally, it was it was, it was was good. It was good to see family. It was good to travel. Uh, um, I need more relaxing. So. Yeah. That'll happen, what, spring break? When we're in Chicago for uh, Oak. Yeah, I'm sure all the relaxing will happen then. No, I don't know when relaxing happens. Be intentional. Plan your relaxing. <laughs> I have a hot tub now. So this is something that oh, I can plan a lot more often is to read in the hot tub. I'm a big fan. Uh, yes, I have a bathtub that I enjoy <laughs> that I am in so much. My husband was just teasing me this morning about my water consumption. You mentioned like taking, you know, 
contemplative showers, you know, and like solving all the world's problems in the shower. So like, yeah, he, this morning actually, cause I was thinking about our podcast while I was in the shower and I got out, he's like, I'm gonna have to wait before I shower. There's probably not gonna be enough hot water for me. And I didn't even realize how long I'd been in there. So yes, hot water, showers, baths, hot tubs. Those are all good things. So good things. Okay. Anyways, what's your coda besides being in a hot tub? Okay. Well, I've already mentioned it. I just thought I would stick with the theme. Um, and I know I've mentioned it before. I I tell you what, especially this time of year, um, Gretchen Rubin's podcast with her sister called Happier. I'm I've been listening to for years, and this is the time of year where she and her sister are talking about like intentions for the year and how to set them. And I just find her extremely inspirational because she is living the life that she wants to live. And she does not apologize for doing things that make her happy. And I'm not saying that like she's neglecting family or job or whatever. Like she really does shine a light on little things and bigger things just to have a happier life in general. And um, I find it extremely inspirational. And she and her sister also now have a every other week Saturday edition of it um, called More Happy, More Happier, More Happy. Anyway, uh, I, I just find it, it's helpful because it's very specific on like, well, you know, you could do it this way, you could do it that way. And she's got a lot of helpful tools, that whole idea um, of the four tendencies of how you get things done, I think is really revolutionary about, you know, are you getting things done um, as an obliger like me and you, uh, that will get things done if other people outside of us expect it, but it's hard to get things done if it's all inner expectations. And anyway, she's got lots of frameworks like that, that I find really, um, really helpful. And, and I really enjoy her podcast and I listen to it when it drops on Wednesdays. And, uh, yeah, I, um, I can't recommend it enough. Cool. And you? Um, all right. Well, I'm going to recommend a show that's not new, and I'm sure you've heard of it, but I finished The Crown over winter break. I had watched the first couple seasons a while back, and then I just kind of took a break and wasn't really super into, like, seasons three and four. I mean, they were okay. I, I did watch them. But the last couple seasons were definitely very intriguing to me because obviously this is when I was alive and Princess Diana and all the things that went with that, but then still learned a lot of new things. Have I just recently mentioned, I feel like I've even recently mentioned this, but anyways, uh, I, I basically binged it over winter break and caught up on the seasons I was uh, behind on and then finished it up. And I, there, I know there were um, lots of opinions and how you know, the, the last season ended, but I really enjoyed it. And I was a ball of tears towards the end, you know, but, um, you know, and I'm not someone who really considers myself to be someone who really is all that fascinated with the Royal family. That's not something that's really, except for in the eighties, princess day and time was obviously very big, but you know, it's not been something that's like high in my priority of knowing what's going on with the Royal family. And it's still not, but I thought it was, it, the show was well done. Lots of just fun, drama obviously um it was a good show i really liked it so just wanted to say i finished the crown have you finished the whole thing 
you know, I, no, I, I watched not even whole seasons. I've watched things here and there and, um, yeah, maybe I need to try watching it again. Yeah. I liked the cup the last, the last two seasons. Some of the actor choices were a little interesting, but, um, overall I thought it was a really good show. So there you go. The crown it's on Netflix. We've reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Show notes can be found at musicteachercoffeetalkpodcast.com. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just look for Music Teacher Coffee Talk. If you enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. Also remember, our podcasts are now also on YouTube. So if you enjoy watching while listening, you can check us out at uh, music teacher coffee talk on youtube and we always appreciate folks buying us a coffee so look for that link on our show notes and on our facebook page until next time this is carrie and this is tanya wishing you happy musicking and a happy new year <laughs>